Welcome to Curating Sobriety, where alcohol-free living meets life well-lived. I'm your host, Andrea Bell. Welcome back to Curating Sobriety. I'm really excited today. We're bringing a guest on. She is someone that has been a real inspiration to me and I think will be a great inspiration to you too. I want to introduce Sherry Sutton. Sherry is the marketing mentor. She's a small business cheerleader, a photographer, a mom, yogini, and also a recovery warrior. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited too. So tell me, what is a marketing mentor and who do you work with? Yeah, so a marketing mentor helps small businesses to figure out this whole marketing world. When you have a great product, you have this great idea, you have people who you want to serve, but you don't know how to get the word out there. And I find that a lot of people can get to a certain point with their own, you know, social media and some of the basics types of things. But at some point, they really need to have a very concrete plan that's scalable, that doesn't cost a ton of money. And so that's what I do. I help them put together that whole plan and then help them on an ongoing basis with just staying accountable to the plan, uh, working through any mindset things that come up, because that happens a lot. And I work with a lot of other people who are in recovery as well. I'm in recovery, and I work with a lot of other people in recovery. And entrepreneurship brings up all your crazy anyway. And so if you're also someone in recovery who is like already a little bit insecure, then, you know, it really helps to have a coach with you on an ongoing basis who can really help you kind of figure out what's going on, right? I found that my sobriety got so much deeper as I became an entrepreneur because it brought up all sorts of things that I didn't really have to deal with in the corporate world around showing up and being present in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obstacles really are an opportunity for us to get to know ourselves better and build resilience, all of which helps us in our sobriety and and our life in general. So that's awesome. What are some of the common themes that you're helping your business clients with that relate to your mission? I know that you have a mission to help women find their authentic voice, use their superpowers to be of service and create economic independence through entrepreneurship. Yeah. Some of the common themes that I see are, it all comes back to fear. And I think that for many of us in recovery from whatever, right? Alcohol, codependency, whatever, we tend to be driven by fear and those normal instincts that come to us, right, which are appropriate, often are just a little overblown in us, right? And so one of the things that I see most commonly, especially among, really among anybody, but especially among entrepreneurs, is the fear of showing up because they're afraid that they will not be accepted and they will be pushed out of the tribe, right? We are tribal beings. And this idea of not fitting into the tribe, that means death, right? If we are abandoned by the tribe, we will die is, you know, I mean, for many, many years now, maybe we could survive on our own because we could just go down the street and buy food at Walmart. But that wasn't the case 
before, right? Forever. That is the biggest thing that I find is people are, even when they have a really strong mission, even when they're really driven, they're still so scared to show up and have people not like them. But what I find is, and this is a universal truth, the more you're willing to speak out, the more you're going to find your tribe who are the people who need you, who need the superpower that only you have been given by the universe to make a change, those people will be attracted to you. And the people who that doesn't serve at the, at the moment, they're just going to fall away. Doesn't mean they're being, you know, they don't, they hate you or you're abandoned, but they're, it's okay. Like not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to want your stuff, but boy, especially people who have gone through or going through some sort of recovery process, we tend to have a lot of codependence and that fear of someone not liking us is the number one factor that inhibits entrepreneurs from being successful. So what I try to do is work with them to say, okay, let's really understand what your mission, your vision, your values are, who the people are that you're trying to serve. Because the more we are dedicated to service and the more we really want that vision, doesn't mean the fear is going to go away, but the more we're able to say, hey, fear, not today, right? Not today. I've got this bigger mission that's bigger than you, and that's what I'm going to go after today. And so that's the, one of the biggest things that I work on with my clients and tends to be the biggest, the biggest thing that people need to crack. And it doesn't really matter often in the corporate world, but it matters for entrepreneurs, especially the ones who are the face of their brand. Because we're the ones who have to show up. We're the ones that have to be out in front, right? We're the ones who have to go to the meeting. We're the ones who have to shake people's hands. We're the ones that have the opportunity to be on video or on social media. But that brings up all of those fears. The other common thing that I see or, you know, the other theme that I see is being willing to take the action necessary. And I find, you know, we find this in recovery as well. I did a 12-step program and I'm pretty active still in 12-step programs. And we talk a lot about action is necessary. And the people who I've seen be successful in sobriety take the action. So they not only have a mission, a vision, and a values, and a plan, but they also take the actions every single day to make sure that they stay sober. And it's the same with entrepreneurs. We need to Make sure that we not only have a plan, but then we got to do it every day. You want to be healthy? You got to watch everything that you put in your mouth every single day. And you can cheat every now and then, right? But we have to take those actions in small steps every single day. And so those are really the two themes that I work with most. So I'm curious when someone is stuck, they're feeling that fear and they're having a hard time taking action. How do you help them break through that fear and move ahead? Yeah, there's a couple things. One is going back to the mission, vision, and values and saying like, is this bigger than your fear? How important is this to you? And do you feel like this comes from a sense of true alignment with whatever your source is, right? Like, do you know, if you really believe like, this is why I was put here, it's easier to walk away from the fear. So there's that piece of it. Then there's just the other piece. Often, when we talk through it, we realize how irrational it is, right? And I'll just say like, hey, do you like everyone you meet? Mm. No. 
well, are you willing to then accept that you might be one of those people that people don't like? Mm, Yeah. Well, but if you don't like everybody, then not everybody else won't like somebody too. And sometimes just just kind of talking through that piece and also being like, look, if you want to take a stand, then people aren't going to like it. And people only buy from people who are authentic. So we say people buy from people, authentic people buy from authentic people, and broken people buy from broken people. So the more you're willing to show your brokenness, the more you're going to call in the right tribe, right? But that will mean that some people won't like you. And so we usually kind of talk through that. Often as well, another technique, we'll say, okay, where did this come from? Where does this belief come from? Let's really get at the root of where it came from. And do you, and it's usually a parent or, you know, whatever. All right. Do you choose to believe this anymore? Right? Just because your mom told you that you weren't social or that bully told you that no one likes you, you can choose to continue to accept that belief or you can choose to take a different path with your own life. You get to choose how you react to the way people act towards you. And it's, and that tends to be a revelation to many people. When you're in recovery, we have we have a little bit of a benefit because we know stressful situation happens. I have two choices, right? I can drink or I can make a choice not to drink and do something else that's going to be healthier and that's not going to, you know, blow up my life. So we'll often walk through that process as well. So it's an interesting mix of alignment. I call it rooting and then who serving. Who do we want to serve? And then attracting, setting up a plan, and then really kind of working through the muck that comes up along the way. Because we all have it. We all have it. We all have insecurities, right? I feel insecure right now on this podcast, and I have a podcast. But that's just normal. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. Right, right. I'm Well, I'm so glad you're here. So Me I'm too. glad that you chose that. I was just thinking that it's true that there are so many beliefs that we've been programmed with. And those beliefs are guiding our decision making until we decide we're going to be making some intentional choices that align with our values, right? And, you know, it's not dissimilar from, as you were saying, when we're first getting sober, recognizing I'm having an urge, I do not have to actually follow through with that impulse. So basic, but it's the same thing when it comes to the everyday choices in your life. Like you hear that voice in your head that's telling you that, well, maybe you don't even hear it because it's, you know, so subconscious, but that feeling of, I can't do that because I'm going to piss people off. And it's like, no, (laughs) you need to do this because this is true to you. This is this is who you are and this is your message. Well, and I find that a lot of people, when they come into sobriety, they often don't know what their own values are. What are my own values? What is my own mission? What are my own, you know, how do I want to live my life? Because they often have the messages that from other people, right, who all meant well, right? who are all just trying to love and protect you in the best way that they could. And for me, it's been a real process of sifting through those and saying, is this a belief that I'm going to choose to continue with? And how do I, if so, how am I going to let it serve me? And if I don't, then because it's not serving me, then I'm going to make an active decision and not have it be on my values list. 
But I find that the more we're, we understand our own values, the easier life gets because we don't care as much if people don't like us, right? If we're trying to fit everybody else's values, then their acceptance is in, becomes incredibly important to us. But when we have our own, we have our own center, then that's not as important. Absolutely. And a lot of folks, until you get sober, you've kind of been operating unconsciously and all of a sudden you're conscious and you're like, who am I and what am I doing right now? And what do I do with all of this time, right? Because of all of the time that you spent drinking, thinking about drinking, recovering from drinking, getting the drinks, all of the things. So I actually, I wanted to ask you, you know, when you were at that point in your life and you had all of this time, how did you approach finding out more about yourself, what you like, how you want to spend that time, what your mission and values are? God, such a good question. I hired a life coach. <laughs> you know, I got, I, I was fortunate that I had a little bit of money. Not fortunate that the reason I had money was because I got divorced. My husband took the big house and all the things, right? But I had a little bit of money. And so I had the opportunity to work essentially part-time. I, I was an entrepreneur in another business and I blew up my life and had an opportunity to really start over. New city, new place, new friends. My business was faltering at that point, but I still had a little bit of income coming in from it. And, you know, I spent a little while just trying to get my feet underneath me of like, what does this sober life look like? The first thing I did was surround myself with a lot of people who I wanted what they had. So I spent a lot of time, I did a lot of, you know, group kind of recovery program and spent a lot of time just surrounding myself with other women who could be role models for me. And that helped a ton. Then I just got to a place where I'm like, I know I can't figure out what's next for me. Even after, it was about nine months into sobriety, like even with my head's clear now. I felt like my, I felt like my brain really turned back on after nine months, which, which sounds insane, but I think it's just true, right? It does, it takes a really long time to get out of your system and for you to just sort of re-enter your body. Cause we've spent so long running from ourselves, from our body, from numbing that, you know, now you really get present to your life. And I ended up hiring, I hired a life coach and I worked with him for maybe at least three months, maybe even four months and really worked through what do I want the next phase of my life to look like? We worked on a lot of beliefs that came up through that because it was a lot of entrepreneurship. And I had a lot of like, Women don't make money. I was raised with a very, you know, kind of old-fashioned mom. And so I worked through a lot of those limiting beliefs that were holding me back from figuring out what the next stage of my life was going to be, particularly around work. Really made some decisions because I just wasn't in a place to, to make those decisions on my own. I needed somebody to guide me through. And I believe even now, seven and a half years sober, I still always have a coach who's always helping to guide me because I I know that I can't know everything, right? I can't do it alone and I need other people, life coaches, you know, business coaches, marketing coaches, whatever it is, spiritual coaches, whatever it is to help me to see what the next stages are for me. And I think that's been for me one of the biggest changes in sobriety is being willing to ask for help because that's the first step. 
sobriety is just saying, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Like somebody, I got to figure this thing out. Like somebody or somebody's got to help me figure it out because we can't do it alone. And so, yeah, I just started reaching out for help and trying to get as much guidance that I could because I, I just, even now, I know that I know I don't know. And the more I'm sober, the more I know that I, the less that I know. <laughs> the more I know, though, that I know less. <laughs> I understand that 100%. Yeah, it's amazing how much I don't know. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. normal. Right? Exactly. I kind of love it. I love that in myself and in everyone is that we're all just doing the best we can based on what we know. So I wanted to circle back to, you know, that six and a half years ago. Yes, seven and a half. Seven and a half. And I had read that you actually wrote a best-selling book about your experience. And I'm curious, tell us about your book and... What's the message in your book? Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I was part of a multi-author project, and it was called Journey to the Soul. And we all had some sort of a transformational story that we told within that book. And it's such an incredible compilation of these stories of women who have, you know, overcome something pretty significant in their lives. And my chapter was called, Hi, my name is Sherry, and I'm a recovering a-hole. I don't know if we swear on this podcast. (laughs) When we need to. (laughs) When we need to. But you get the idea. And it it was just, you know, it was interesting when I first sat down to write it. And I encourage anybody who's in recovering at this place where they're like, I kind of want to start telling my or feeling called to tell their story, to just write it down, even if they don't. It was an interesting journey for me because I didn't, I talked about what I didn't realize I was going to talk about. And I talked a lot about my fact that my dad was an alcoholic and how growing up in an alcohol, you know, what it was like growing up in an alcoholic home and just how I, I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like I fit in, but I always thought it was your fault. Like I always thought that you were making me not feel feel right. You were the one who was making it so that I felt like I didn't fit in. And if you just acted right, then everything would be fine and I would feel better. And what I realized was, and this was, you know, going through some journaling exercises early in sobriety was, I'm the a-hole, right? I'm the jerk. I'm the one who's, who's making you responsible for my happiness. And that was such a revelatory experience. And so I really wrote about that, really taking inventory of my emotions, really taking accountability for my role in every feeling that I had, every emotion I had, every action that I had. Because before that, again, it was your fault, man. You're making me do this. If you didn't act that way, wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have to drink like this. And really it's, I'm responsible and taking personal responsibility. And that's been the biggest shift for me, I think, in sobriety. Yeah. You know, we call that having a manual for someone. This is how you're supposed to behave. And if you don't, that's wrong. And a lot of times we don't even know what's in our manual, right? Until we get triggered. Obviously, not having a manual for people is where you want to be. What you were saying resonated so much with me. I think that. Emotional adulthood 
is the goal, right? We take full responsibility for our feelings and for our, therefore, for our actions. And once you do that, it's actually total freedom because you realize that anything is possible and it's all up to you. And it doesn't depend on any of these other people. It's just totally liberating. But also scary. Like, it's really scary because now, like, when things don't go right, there's no one to look at but you. And you're like, (laughs) now I have to work. I have to take action. And, you know, we're not used to doing that really often. Or we're used to doing it in some parts of our lives but not in others. And so... It sounds easy, but it's not. It's living your life in a to- from a totally different perspective. And it takes some time, and it takes a lot of help, and it takes surrounding yourself with other people who are going to help keep you accountable and help point you in the right direction and having really, you know, really good coaches that do that for you. And But you get there over time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why having a coach is so important, right, is that you oftentimes don't even see when you're doing it. And they help you see what you're creating. And I love that aspect of coaching. So I want to talk a little bit more about your business, because I know that your inspiration is to help founders find their authentic voice, all of that. So how do people work with you if they're interested? Yeah, yeah. I work with people primarily one-on-one. I've tried some group things, but I I feel like the magic really comes belly button to belly button, right? Whether it's through a screen or, or otherwise, because everybody's business is as unique as they are, is as unique as their vision and their mission and their values and their superpowers, but also as unique as their own brand of crazy, right? We all have our own little brand of crazy. That I, I say that with love. I have my own little brand of crazy, right? My own little brand of, of greatness and my own little brand of crazy. And I have to balance the two all the, time, all the time. So I often find that it's best to work with people one-on-one and create things that are customized just for them. I also find that sometimes in a group environment, people really don't want to share some of the muck that we need to share, right? Because my work is really a combination of business planning and coaching and life coaching, right? The pure like, okay, let's work through some of this stuff, some of these fears that are that are holding you back. So I find that's best done one-on-one, but we always start with the plan. So I have a marketing plan done in a day. People will come to me and we'll start with mission, vision, and values, And they'll usually come prepared with those. And if they don't have them, we'll do a session where we just do mission, vision, and values. Then we spend time thinking about who am I going to serve? What's the best product for them? And sometimes people know this already. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're like, I'm a graphic designer and I don't really know what to offer. I'm a life coach and I don't really know what the best packages are. So we'll put together a combination of your superpower plus your ideal client's needs equals here's the product lines that you're going to create, right? And there's a little bit of science in that and there's a little bit of art in that as well. And then what are the things that your client really needs to feel and and hear in order to want to buy from you? So that and essentially what's your messaging? Then we move on to the, what I call the attract phase. So we have the root phase, which is mission, vision, and values. We have the serve phase, which is who do I serve and how do I serve them? 
And then we have a third phase, which is the attract phase. And that's where we put together, I'm going to post on social media three times a week. I'm going to go to these groups. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And really putting together a very strong marketing plan. And it will usually, at least the, the other pieces are not eternal, but they last a really long time. The marketing plan is usually three to six months. Some people, that's enough. We do this one marketing plan in a day or, you know, sometimes in a couple of days if somebody can't spend all day. But we'll do this marketing plan done in a day. And some people can just take it and run with it. And I've had clients who've run with it. And three months later, they've tripled their income. But a lot of people then want to continue to work with me one-on-one, again, to do a couple things. One is accountability. Two is to ask ongoing questions if they've never done marketing before. They're like, is this right? How do I make a reel? How do I do this, right? And I've got a lot of trainings that they get along the way, but often it just helps to just sit down, like, help me help me think through this. Help me think through my lead process. Help me think through this and help me get out of my own way, right? What often happens is we'll spend, <laughs> they're 90-minute sessions often, and we'll spend the first hour working on, like, why it won't work tactically. And then all of a sudden, I'll be like, okay, hey, what's really going on? I'm scared that nobody's going to like me. <laughs> that's the second half. Let me get into the life coaching part of the meeting. And so and that's true of everyone, everyone, male, female, recovery, not recovery, in their 20s, in their 70s. We all have that ultimate fear. And so we were really having somebody who you can work through on that, who's been there, done that, right, who still struggles with that. And really, you know, just walking hand in hand with them. And we tend to do that for three, six, nine months. I've got, I've got a few clients who've been with me for a year, right? And sometimes we just meet once a month, but just enough. They're like, I just need you to, I know what to do now. I just need, I need my Sherry cheerleading session. And that's why I call myself the business, a business cheerleader or business bestie. Cause we need somebody to walk alongside us sometimes. Absolutely. All the time, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So folks can read about that on your website. Yeah. So it's sherrysutton.com. And then also too, you have a podcast, don't you? Mm-hmm. It's Bosses with Baggage. Bosses with Baggage. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually how we met, right? We took yeah. we took a, a podcasting course together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had this really interesting, it was it was a kind of a divine download, like to start t- sharing my story. So I started doing podcasts like this one. And I was starting to be a guest and I was telling my story and I had the best-selling book. And every time I do, I have someone call me or text me or, you know, DM me and say, I'm in trouble. What do I do? And I realized like, wow, there's this real power in being willing to tell your story and hearing other people when they tell their stories and how empowering it is for me. And couple that with seeing all of these incredible entrepreneurs who are so scared that someone's going to see who they really are and reject them that they never show up in their lives and in their business in a way where they can really make an impact. So I started this idea of bosses with baggage where people who've gone through some stuff, right? I've been through some stuff and I talk about it because I believe that that is how I live my most authentic life and I help other people to live their authentic lives. Because if I'm willing to share my story and I'm willing to share my muck, then they are going to be more comfortable sharing their stories and their muck and not feel like that muck 
is going to make them unlovable or that they should have shame and that they'll be able to really step into their own power. So the Bosses with Baggage is a podcast where people who've gone through some really significant dark nights of the soul come on and they share their stories. You know, they tell us what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Uh, they've all created a business or now work in an in a environment that allows them to be of service, mostly to other people who've gone through the same thing. And it's so... I mean, I love that people listen, but for me, it's so beautiful and it's so incredible just hearing people be willing to be vulnerable and to share their stories. And my hope is that by them telling their stories and by me telling my story, that we can make it not so shameful for the other people who've been through the same thing. Because we've all been through something. We've all been through something and we're all willing to share it and we're all willing to say like, I'm not perfect. Then this whole need to be perfect in order to be liked goes away. And if, if I can make one little change in that, even just for one person through the podcast, then, then I've, I've accomplished my goal. I love that. I just love that so much. You are clearly an entrepreneur who is called to serve and, um, and actually, there's another way that I, I saw that you carry that through in your business, which is that you donate 5% of your revenue to nonprofits. And nonprofits are dear to my heart. I've helped raise millions of dollars for like the arts and for education and for animal welfare. And so... Tell me a little bit about how you chose your nonprofit and what your cause is. Yeah, thank you for that. It was just always going to be part of the DNA of this business. I mean, I always knew that it would be part of the business. One of the things that I have utilized this, I'm a photographer as well, and my my first major entrepreneurial venture was as a photographer. Though I've been selling since I was like, Five. My dad used to send me into stores to sell advertising for our local playhouse when I was like six years old. So I've sort of been groomed as an entrepreneur from a young age, but I'm a photographer as well. And one of the things that I did when I had that business and have continued to do is I started finding causes that I felt called to and offering them photography services. So I traveled all over the world, particularly to India and Nepal and done photography for them that they can use in their marketing, giving them guidance on their marketing. So I was, have been in marketing in the corporate world for 25 years. There's one organization called Blink Now, which is the one that I'm supporting um, throughout 2023 and 2022 as well. They have a school for disadvantaged children in very rural Nepal, very poor part of Nepal. They have a home for children who don't have any other caregivers. And they have a women's center. One of the things they realized through this process of, you know, trying to help the kids is, well, it starts with the parents. It starts with the moms frequently. And a lot of the moms aren't able to make an income because they're single or whatever. They're, you know, they, they have never been raised to have an education and to make money on their own. So they started this women's center where they teach vocational skills to women 
And so I spent a lot of time in the Women's Center of the few times that I've been there. And it just moved me so much how these women get out of abusive relationships. Many of them are married off when they're just teenagers and they never have an opportunity to find their own voice or to make their own money or have their own economic independence. And so I want to do whatever I can to help them, even though they're on the other side of the world. And so I help to support that women's center. And I didn't bring any of the numbers with me, but it's pretty incredible what we've, what they've done. They are constantly full. They did a, when I was there, they did sewing, weaving. They're doing um, hair now. They're teaching the women how to do hair. They did a electrical course so that women could become electricians, which in rural Nepal, which is very patriarchal, is unheard of. And I love it so much. So yeah, I support that organization. And I just feel so blessed to be able to do it. And I'm hoping that I can get back out there again here sometime soon. So it's a pretty magical place. Again, it's called Blank Now. The founder, Maggie Doyne, is a force to be reckoned with. She started this whole thing when she was 19 and is just such an inspiration. So I'm honored to be able to support them. Amazing. I love that so much. Clearly, you live an intentional and fulfilling life. And that's the idea of curating sobriety, right? And so I want to ask you, what is your number one tip for anyone who wants to create an intentional and fulfilling life? After you've put together your mission and your vision and your values for your life, you really need to find a way to connect that with the actions that you take every single day. And that for me was the biggest shift in my life was when I was like, oh, I'm all these things. But then, well, what did I do today to make that happen? And so I actually do a daily inventory. So I do, here's the things I did to move my life forward, right? And move my spiritual, mind, body, spirit. Here's what I did well. Here's what I didn't do well, right? You know, we don't all have banner days. We all owe apologies. We all got pissy at our spouse or whatever, right? We all overspent. We all spent the day worried about money, whatever it might be. Then I have a special inventory that I write every single day, which is whatever I'm tracking at the time. Like for some people, it might be calories. For me, it's spending. That was one of the biggest things I really had to get under control. That was my way of escaping. Then I have a gratitude list that I write every single day. And then this is the most important one. How am I going to move my life forward in mind, body, and spirit today? What are the things that I'm committing to do today to move those forward? And so I think having the big goals, but then also say, okay, here's what I'm going to do every single day. That's where the difference really happens. It's not setting the big goals because that's great, but then it just sits on a shelf. And I see this in business. In business, in sobriety, you want to live an intentional life. It comes down to -to day-to-day actions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I am going to be listening to my own podcast to get every nugget of the wisdom that you've shared with us today. So I just want to recap. If folks want to get in touch with you about business coaching, they can find you on your website, sherrysutton.com. And your podcast is called Bosses with Baggage. And that's on all the podcast players, I'm sure. Yeah, all the podcasting players. And then I also do a video uh, portion because I don't, 
I'm a visual person, so I watch podcasts, so it's also on YouTube. Yeah. And by the way, if you were looking at your screen right now the way I am, Sherry is standing in front of or sitting in front of a bold fuchsia background and has an amazing hat and red framed glasses and a white gauze shirt with, not parakeets, those are... A a parrot? A parrot, yeah, red red parrots. (laughs) It's visually, her aesthetic is amazing. So you should check her out on YouTube as well. (laughs) Love you. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Sherry. This has been really lovely. And I look forward to, to taking all of this with me. And I think on behalf of all of the listeners, I want to thank you as well. Hmm. Thank you. That was lovely. I appreciate you so much. All right. Well, wrapping it up. Thank you for listening to Curating Sobriety today. This is Andrea Bell, and you can find me at Andrea Bell Coaching on Instagram. Take care. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast and are curious what it would be like to have tailored one-to-one help with your alcohol-free life, we should have a conversation head to the show notes and click the link to sign up for your free 30-minute consultation. I'd love to join you on your journey. Talk to you soon.